If you want to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew's Gospel, the fourth chapter, the 18th verse. We have been going through this series. We've called it the I Hear Him series. I'm sure you've heard I Hear Him till you're about to go mad with hearing that phrase. Today, to be honest with you, is the last of those sermons that I have prepared uh, in this particular topic or on this particular series, listening to uh, different things that Jesus said, which is the basic idea of being a Christian is hearing Jesus. And that we've gone through the scriptures and looked at different, uh, some 23 different, 22 actually, there was one, uh, two on prayer, that was one thing. 22 different uh, statements that Christ made about what it is to be like him, to be his follower, to be a disciple, uh, commands or directions that he gave us, uh, and what it means to, to be a disciple. And so today is the final one of those, and we're actually very close to where we began. The very first one uh, was from Matthew, the fourth chapter, the 17th verse. That's the very first one that we looked at, and that was Jesus' preaching on repentance. And today we're going to be looking at starting with verses 18 through 22. And the title of this sermon, this command, this direction that Christ gave us in this passage is to come follow me. Um, now I'm going to tell you something and, and I'll explain why it is today. Usually when I use scripture reference, I use two translations that I usually stick with. Usually the uh, New American Standard Bible, NASB, or the ESV, which is the English Standard Version. Those are the two that I usually choose as my default settings. Uh, but today I want us to look at it from the NIV, the New International Version, especially these verses. And so if you're following along and you don't have an NIV version, it's going to sound different, a little bit different. Um, so I have those these uh, kind of key verses here for us to look at today. So from Matthew's Gospel, the fourth chapter. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake where they were, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Verses 21 through 22. Going from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets, and Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. The passage we want to look at, the verse that we're really going to look at is that verse 19. Come follow me, said Jesus, and I will send you out to fish for people. That's the directive that Jesus is giving to us. And give you a little bit of information or a little bit of background. Uh, often as Randy and I meet together, we, we discuss various things. We talk about a lot of things. And every once in a while we get into a, a, a friendly debate about versions of the Bible that we, we use. Uh, we, as, as Southern Baptists, we believe in the inerrant word of God. But that belief is in the originals, the original Greek forms, that those were the inerrant forms that we got. And what we have in our English Bible is accurate as it accurately translates from the Greek. That's what we hold to. That as, and so the, the right translation is important. And so we, we end up in the same place all the time that it's good to know this. It's good to read different translations, different versions uh, of translations so that we get a, a better understanding because I'm sure, like me, none of you probably speak or, or very few of you speak uh, fluent Koine Greek uh, from, the first test, uh, from the first century. And I don't often get caught up in, in really discussing Greek words and really get hung up on them. You're probably aware of that. But in this passage, I got 
hung up on the Greek word that's used there in verse 19, come follow. Or most versions of the Bible, the ones I usually uh, turn to, just say, follow me. Um, This one is from the NIV, which is the one that Randy likes to preach from. This is always our debate. So today I'm acquiescing to Randy and say, today your point is well taken. Because the NIV actually does a little bit better job with this word. It's a Greek word. It's a dute is how it sounds much like duty. Uh, it's only used a dozen times in the New Testament, and it's mostly used in the book of Matthew. Six times it's used in Matthew, six times throughout uh, the rest of the New Testament. Most of the translations, most of the modern translations just say, follow me, and they leave out the come. But the base word behind this is come. And I want to make a big deal about that uh, so that we understand what Jesus is saying to us. I'm going to read you the other places. So you got Matthew 4 here where it says, follow me or come follow me. You got Matthew chapter 11 where the same word is used, the same dute uh, Greek word is used where he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We preached on that on one of the sermons about come and rest. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 38, Jesus is telling a parable about the, the guy who owns the, uh, owns the vineyard and he goes away and then he, you know, he sends his work and he sends a work and finally he sends his son to collect what's due him. And the vine growers, this is what it says in verse 38 of uh, 20, uh, Matthew 21. But when the vine growers saw the son, they said among them, they set, said among themselves, this is the heir, come. Let us go and seize his inheritance. It's a, let's all go do this together. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 4, Matthew uses the word again. Again, he said to the other slaves, telling those who were invited, it's another parable, the parable of the wedding feast. Uh, Tell those who have been invited, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatted uh, livestock, and all butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. The last time Matthew employs this word is in the 25th chapter in the 34th verse when he's talking about that day of judgment where Jesus separates the goats from the sheep and it says the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What I really, when I started to look at Matthew's use of this word and the importance of, of saying it's not just follow, but it's this come word, it's What I want us to see is this is an invitation. Every time it's used in the Gospel of Matthew, it's an invitation for people to to come together for a common purpose. And so Jesus is in calling the disciples for the first time. He's saying, come to me, come and follow is what he's saying. And so what I want you to see is that this word is invitational. It's an invitation that Jesus is making. Every time it's used there in Matthew's gospel, it's always this invitation to come in, to come to, to come and join. And so Jesus is making an invitation for these men to be Jesus followers. And what I want you to understand today is that you are invited to be a Jesus follower. That this is a, a, a universal, I believe, call to mankind. Come, be my follower. As he called the disciples, he continues calling people today. And we are called or invited to come to Jesus. Now, there's a couple of things I want us to get from this passage. Before you accept that invitation, there are some things you need to know. 
There may be someone here today who hasn't decided to, to answer that call, to, to receive the invitation to come and follow. And I am sure there are a lot of you here today who have accepted the, uh, that already. And so for those who haven't, there's things you need to know before you do. For those of us who have accepted that invitation, there are things that we need to remind ourselves. Because that that following, that answering of the call is a one-time event and an everyday event all at the same time. That we respond, but that we keep responding each and every day to decide, yes, again today, I will follow Jesus. I will answer the invitation. And so it's good to us to remind us what that entails. The first thing it we need to remind ourselves or hear is the prerequisite of the Jesus follower. If we're going to answer this invitation, if we're going to respond to this invitation to come to Jesus, what is the prerequisite? Well, you remember what that word means. If you, you know, in college, you can't take one class until you take the prerequisite, the one that comes before, that we can't actually be a Jesus follower until we do something first. And that's what the very first I hear him series was. In verse 17 of, of this chapter, chapter 4, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right after Jesus got, starts his public ministry and starts to go preach a sermon of repentance that he calls. It's after repentance that he calls the first disciples. And so the prerequisite for any Jesus follower is repentance. That we must turn from our ways and turn to God. That we must turn from sin and turn to God. Here's a, a good definition. Oh, I hope you can read it. What repentance is summed up. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change in action. This change involves both turning from sin and turning to God. Pretty concise one sentence word or two sentence explanation definition of what repentance is and this is the prerequisite if anyone's to come to jesus if anyone's to be his followers this is the first step this turning to him and that we must come in repentance and so that's what he preached that's the message that jesus preached and then he goes out and he calls these these gentlemen uh, mentioned here to be his first followers, his first disciples. And so I want us to dig in a little bit more to what this invitation to be a Jesus follower is. I think you see what I'm saying, that this is an invitation, but it, it's a two-part invitation. And I think the NIV really captures the idea of what Jesus is saying to the people there, both by the words that he used and the actions that they responded with. And so the invitation of what G, being a Jesus follower is, it's, Come and follow. It's really two parts to being a Jesus follower. Come and follow. So let's talk about the come part first. That when Jesus calls us, it's not a stay where you're at call. It's a come unto me invitation. See, Jesus doesn't want us to stay where we're at. And it's not about us staying where we are in our physical lives but also mostly in our spiritual lives it's an invitation to come with me come to me where i am you know sometimes we speak about jesus coming to us well i often be rephrased like this way people talk about when they accepted the invitation that christ made 
the day that Jesus came into my heart, like Jesus came to me, really more accurately, it's us going to Jesus. See, Jesus is where Jesus needs to be. He's the one in right standing with God. He's where he belongs. And Jesus doesn't need to move to us. We need to move to Jesus. This is the idea of repentance, right? This that first prerequisite, to turn from the way we're going and go to God. And so really, I think we would be better served if we started talking about the day that I got into Jesus' heart instead of Jesus got into my heart. That I got in line with him. That I went and joined him. I went to where he was because he's in the right place. And I need to be with him, beside him. This is the invitation. Come to me. Come to where I am. Come be with me. Because I'm going to tell you, wherever Jesus is, that's where we should want to be. Because that's the right place. And so the first part of being a follower is not, you know, I'm going to come to you, but you leave and come to me. And so it's that movement. There's a saying that I really like when we talk about ministering to people. That Jesus will meet people where they are. And I think that's what we need to do. Meet people where they are. As the great Baptist hymn says, right? Just as I am. Just as they are. Just where they are. But know this, and you should always share this with people. If Jesus meets you where you are, he's not going to leave you there. He's going to move you. He's going to change you. We talk about this in lots of ways of being born again, that all things are passed away, new things have come, that there is a change in the people's lives. And one of the things that we can expect is when they accept the invitation of Christ, there will be something different about them. Their mind will change. Their heart will change. Their actions will change. They won't be the same people and in the same place as they were. They will have come to Jesus. That's the first part of this invitation. The second part is the follow part. That's how we move. It's, uh, so what does it really mean when he says follow and when the disciples got up and started to follow Jesus? Well, I think it's pretty simple. I love the old, you know, their simple things are just good. You remember the old WWJD bracelets, right? That was a fad for a while and everybody had WWJD. It's really pretty profound. It's really that simple. What would Jesus do? What did Jesus do? What, those questions are, are, are the, is really the base of what it means to be a follower. What did Jesus teach? What did Jesus do? What did Jesus instruct? Let me do that. Let me hear Jesus and react to what I hear. Let me see Jesus and mimic what he did. It's a good game of follow the leader, right? And we have spent, as I said, 23 weeks now, 22 different topics that Jesus said, if you want to know what it means to follow me, here they are. Repent. Be calm. Love God. Love others. Let your light shine. Judge not, which we had to explain was be careful when helping others address their sin. Love your enemies. Be holy. Remember Jesus regularly. Forgive. Pray. Give. Fast. Enter the narrow gate. Be born again. Come and rest. Deny yourself. Seek to serve. Associate with the lowly. Retaliate with humility. And seek the kingdom first. 
I mean, that's 22 things we could do right now in being followers. And I'm not really ashamed to admit there's one or two of those 22 I could probably improve on. I could probably follow better. Maybe three of them at least. And this is the idea. This is simply come from where you are and now follow in my footsteps. Follow the leader. You know, it's just that simple. Where Jesus steps, I will step. When Jesus raises his arms, I will raise my arms. When Jesus, where he goes, I will follow. And these men set out to do that. They would spend the next three years of their lives or so following everywhere Jesus went, listening to everything Jesus said, and trying to do everything Jesus did. Now, you know the story of the disciples as well as I do. Sometimes they did a really good job, and sometimes uh, not so good a job. But they kept following and kept learning and kept growing, and they kept uh, maturing, and they were better disciples. And I think little by little, over time, they became more and more like their leader. And that was the goal that they set out to be. And so the invitation is come from where you are, follow me to where I'm going and what I teach, and let God change you. But it's more than just about us. I want us to understand that the, there is a responsibility for the Jesus follower too. Come follow me, Jesus said, and. There's a, another conjunction. It's not just about coming and following. There's an and. There's something else to this coming and following that Jesus had in mind. And this is the responsibility of the Jesus follower. And I will send you out to fish for people. And if you remember it in the other versions, I will make you fishers of men. That we're called, we're invited to join the king to advance his kingdom. Here's a, here's a statement I think that's kind of bold for us to consider at least. My personal salvation is not the end God had in mind when he made that invitation to me. That God wanted more than just me going to heaven. That it's a bigger picture. When he called these men, he didn't say, come to me, come follow me and you'll go to heaven. Come follow me and you'll be uh, live forever. Come follow me and, you know, you're going to be saved. That wasn't the invitation. It was, and you will be fishers of men. Yes, they get to go to heaven. Yes, my personal salvation is part of it. But that's not all that Jesus had in mind when he called these men. And I don't believe it's all he had in mind when he invited us to join him. That there's a good possibility and hold the gravity of this thought in your mind. That when Jesus invited you to be his follower, he had somebody else in mind for you to reach. That you were called not for your sake alone, but for someone else's. Because here's a here's an amazing thing. You will interact with people I will never interact with. I will interact with people you will never interact with. I will have friends and family and associates that you won't even know exist. And you will have people in your life that I won't know exist. And you may be the very person to reach them with the gospel of Christ. 
It may be for that one or that family or a whole group of people, you were invited to be a fisher of men. And it's not just about us. And the gospel is not just for us. We're not the end purpose in God's mind. That God's big vision is that there will be people from every tribe, every nation, from every tongue, from all over the world, worshiping God at the throne. And we play a part in finding those people. And that God may have invited you with somebody else in mind. We have plenty of instructions from the Bible that tells us that this is, this is our purpose. This is the responsibility of us being a follower. Matthew chapter 28. What does it say? Go make disciples of all the world, baptizing them and teaching them. We have Acts 1.8, which I referred to earlier. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As my father sent me, so I am sending you. You may remember another verse where he says, I was sent to seek and save the lost. I came to serve and not to be served. And so in the same way God sent Jesus, he has sent us to go be fishers of men and that's what these guys would end up doing if you think about the whole discipleship model this whole following jesus it really was the university system of the day that people would line up with a rabbi a teacher and they would follow him around and they would learn from that teacher and then there would come a point when they would go out from the teacher and teach the same thing and so there's a come to jesus learn from jesus Go on Jesus's behalf to our discipleship, to our university. One of my favorite stories in all the scripture, because I find myself amazed by it. So many, so many details. Maybe one of the best fishers of men in all the scriptures was a woman, a Samaritan woman sitting by a well one day. Jesus came to her and told her who he was, told her all that she had done. He revealed himself to her and she talked about Messiah and so forth. While she was talking with Jesus, the disciples were off in a nearby town buying bread so that they would have something to eat. Jesus finishes his encounter with her. And this lady, so excited about who Jesus is, just about what she's learned and the questions she has, she runs back to the same town. In my opinion, probably crossing paths with the disciples as they leave town and are coming to Jesus to bring bread because they see him talking to a woman and they're astonished. She jumps up and leaves and goes to the same town that the disciples were in. They sit there and they, they start talking to him about why he was meeting the woman and what was going on. She goes to town and here's what she says. Come, see a man who told me all the things I have done. Is this not the Christ, is it? Interestingly enough, it's one of the two times that John uses the exact same word for come as Matthew used. It's that invitation. She runs to town and she says, come with me and see this guy. I think it's the Messiah. What do you guys think? While Jesus is talking with the disciples, that's when he quotes a famous line. Look into the field. It is ripe with harvest. Pray to the to the the uh, king that he will send out harvesters. What happened? The disciples go to town and they bring back some loaves of bread. This woman goes to town and she offers this same invitation. Come and see Jesus. 
And she brings out all the townspeople where the disciples were just at. And all they brought back was a bread. And she brings back the people, offering to them the same invitation that Jesus offered to the disciples. Come and see this guy. What do you think about him? And that's what we're called to do, that that when we accept that invitation to go into our lives and to into the places we live, into that town, that that place we call our world, that that place that is unique for you and you alone with the people in that world that you and you alone know and invite them the same invitation. Come and see this guy. Come and learn what he has to say. Isn't this the Christ? Isn't it? And so this is part of our responsibility to be this person who goes out with the exact same invitation that Jesus invited us with and invite them. Come to Jesus. So let me ask you just a point of application. When you think about fishing, who are you fishing for? I know a thing or two about fishing. Uh, actually, I've done quite a bit and been somewhat successful. I like to fish in the ocean. I particularly like fishing off the pier in North Carolina. I like fishing in ponds. I grew up fishing in ponds. I have not quite mastered trout fishing in Pennsylvania yet. I need to work on that a little bit more. For all you walleye fishers, I have never caught a walleye, and that is on my bucket list of fish I'd like to catch one day. I hear there in Pennsylvania they don't have them down south where I'm from. But one thing I know is each different type of fish you have, you have to have it in mind when you go fishing. When I went to the pond to fish for catfish, I carried a certain rod, certain type of hooks, and certain types of bait. I did not use the same stuff when I was fishing for largemouth bass or when I was fishing for what we call crappie. Some people up here call them crappie. It's a different kind of fish. Whatever fish, when I'm fishing in the ocean, I use a different set. I have to have in mind what I'm going after so I know how to approach the situation. And when we're talking about fishing for men, it shouldn't be just just random. I would encourage you, think about who is it that God had in mind when he called you? Who is that person that you want to reach? What would it take for you to build a relationship with that person where you might have influence in their lives? How would you turn conversations when you're having conversations? How would you turn them in a spiritual direction that maybe you could share the truth or the gospel of who Christ is, or at least share what you believe about that? Have this person in mind and be diligent saying, Lord, I am praying for this person. At the very least, have those people in mind and say, Lord, if it's your will, help me reach this one for you. Pray for their salvation. Have them on your mind. Fish with intentionality and not just walking down the street saying, well, maybe I'll find one on the street today. But have intentionality and purpose behind our reason for fishing. Because if you don't go fishing, you have to go to a place. It don't just happen in the front yard. You have to go do it. And so this is part of our responsibility. And it's a heavy responsibility. It draws us out of our comfort zone. It makes us, it puts us in a lot of places that we're not always sure about it. And so we have to trust and we have to go and we have to be obedient. But I think we should see it as a responsibility of what God's called us to do. The fourth thing I'd like to remind us about is the challenge of being a Jesus follower. There is sacrifice. We spent the last four or five weeks talking about humility That whole thing, if anyone wants to come and follow me, if you want to be a follower, you must deny yourself and take up your cross. If following is on your mind, self-denial is part of the cost. 
And it's true that, that, that there is a cost. We see that laid out here in these scriptures. These men, when they decided to follow, walked away from the life that they had. They were forever changed. They walked away from their nets. Think about, just imagine, we read it so simply. And when James and John, they were in the boat with their father Zebedee. I have a feeling they thought a lot of their father. You know, boys and dads have special bonds. And, and here they are sitting in the boat, working together, hand in hand. They're his right-hand men. They're, the, they're the, the helpers on his boat. Jesus calls them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. There is sacrifice with following Jesus. No doubt about it. And so, And we must look at that and understand that. Because it will come to pass for each of us as we follow and as we continue to follow. Think about the story of the rich young ruler. Matthew's gospel, the 19th chapter, records this. Jesus said to him, If you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. Go do this and then come follow me me and the young man heard this statement he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property the sacrifice was too great i mean that's basically what it was when it came down to the invitation to come and follow jesus the sacrifice what he had to give up was too great for him to come and follow and so it's important for us to regularly Think about what sacrifices will we have to make? They will be required for us to do that. It's part of being a Jesus follower. It's part of going to him and being changed. It's part of the following process. As we're to live up to our responsibility and make his His kingdom more important than our kingdom, to make serving him more important than serving ourselves, sacrifices will have to be made. Thankfully, we have great examples of these people and plenty more who would willingly lay down and sacrifice what they had to, knowing that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for us and willing to pay that. So here's the rest of the story. These men hear this call early on in their lives. Three years they dedicate themselves to following Jesus. They come to him. They change their lives forever. They follow him. They learn from him. They try to mimic him. They have their ups. They have their downs. They follow him all the way to the cross. They're just devastated by the crucifixion. They're hiding out in a, in a room, up a room, trying to figure out what's next. And Jesus comes again and they see the resurrection and they're forever changed by that. John's gospel tells a very unique little picture at the very end of John's gospel. Interestingly enough, He uses that same word, that dute, Greek word, again. The guys are out fishing in their boat. Jesus is on the shoreline. And here's what he says to them. When it's all said and done, from the first time he called them throughout their lives, throughout the, through the uh, crucifixion and the resurrection and the post-resurrection appearances, after that's all over, Jesus is sitting on the shoreline and he said, come, have breakfast. And none of the disciples ventured to question him who you are, knowing he was the Lord. I find it very interesting that the same invitation he made at the beginning, come to me, 
Come follow me. Is the same invitation he's making after all. They're believers at this point. They've seen the resurrection and they say, come to him again. It just reminds me of the faithfulness of Christ. That from the beginning to the end, he continues to call us. He continually, continually calls. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. And as I said, there'll be people here who've never made that decision, who've never decided to really go to Jesus, to give him all that he had and follow him for the rest of their lives. I'm sure there are those here who who need to answer that for that very first time and say, yes, I will come. Yes, I will accept your invitation. If that is you, I would love to have a conversation about what that looks like in your life. Please Let's get together and, and look into the scriptures, what it means and, and what the next steps would you, for you would be. And I'm also sure there are those of us in this place who answered that invitation long ago. What I want you to know today is Jesus is making it again to you today. And he's going to make it again to you tomorrow. And he's going to make it to you again, the you, the next day after that and the next day after that. And every day Jesus is going to be there. Come to me. Come to me and we can answer it day in and day out. And my prayer for myself and my prayer for you is that today I get a little closer, that I answer the call again and take another step into being a better Jesus follower, not for my sake, but for his to advance his kingdom, to see his will done on earth as it is in heaven. I encourage you, hear the call and answer.